0: Hello and welcome to Max Politics. This is Ben Max. Thanks for tuning in for this episode of the show. Today we're talking about a specific project proposal called QueensLink, But along with being very interesting on its own, I wanted to do an episode on it because it struck me as something of a microcosm of some of the big issues facing New York City and state today, including questions about expanding mass transit, creative uses of public space, adapting to the ways people are moving around the city and changes in commuting, the interconnectedness of transit, green space, economic opportunity, housing growth, and more. And lastly, for this list for now, the theme of building new infrastructure and doing it in a timely and cost-effective way. We won't get into all those big issues in this conversation, but we'll touch on a couple of the bigger themes as they relate to this proposal, Queen's Link. I've had other conversations that focus more broadly on some of those bigger themes as well. So of course, check out the podcast feed history after you listen to this one. I've had recent conversations focused on housing and transit and public space uh, and episodes further. In the past with the chair of the MTA, Jano Lieber, and others on some of those themes I mentioned, like Eric Goldwyn of NYU, who led a very important research project on why it costs New York so much more than other places to build transit infrastructure. So find any of those. Uh, and others at your convenience at Max Politics, wherever you get podcasts. Uh, but today, Queenslink, our focus for this show. My two guests will give the in-depth explanation of this proposal in just a minute. It's been around for several years now in some different forms. Uh, I'll be joined in a moment by two members of the volunteer leadership team of Queenslink, Andrew Lynch, the chief design officer, and Mike Scala, the project's counsel and legal advisor. But I'll give you a brief overview here. Queens Link is a plan for, as they call it, rails and trails, subway line and park space along a 3.5-mile stretch of abandoned Long Island Railroad that used to go out to the Rockaways from Central Queens. The rail line is still there, unused for more than 60 years and grown over. Uh, It's elevated. It sits prime for a revival, a reinvention, and that's what there's two proposals over what to do with it. Uh, One includes mass transit and one does not. It's known as the Rockaway Beach Branch of the LIRR, but the vision from the nonprofit volunteer-led Queenslink is to remake this right-of-way by redoing the infrastructure from the rail itself to new stations and making it part of the MTA's New York City Transit subway system, connecting the M train in Central Queens to the A train in Southeast Queens, going from Rego Park uh, to the Rockaways with a whole bunch of neighborhoods in between. You can check out the map. Uh, They include uh, Rego Park to Forest Hills, Middle Village, Glendale, Richmond Hill, uh, and and a few others, Ozone Park, and and so forth. And the ability here in this proposal uh, that's exciting to many people is this idea of different uh, connections in the subway system to avoid people having to drive to get certain places and adapt to uh, a whole bunch of ways that people want to get around now and not just travel into Manhattan, although it's designed to also help people travel into Manhattan more efficiently and quickly and by uh, mass transit. So uh, there's a lot to the proposal. It would, uh, according to its um, supporters, it would create a very important north-south subway line in Queens that currently doesn't exist. It would add four new stops with many connections, and it would also include dozens of acres of new park space, uh, largely along this right-of-way and underneath the elevated train line. Um, according to Queens Link, the borough of Queens has not seen a new subway stop since 1988, Uh, while the population of the borough has increased quite a bit, of course, and there's all sorts of different ways that people are doing business and getting around. It would allow many Queens residents a faster trip into Midtown Manhattan, but also, and perhaps more importantly, It would allow for some of this different and quicker ways to travel within Queens by public transit. Much of the proposed path is the elevated train line that is still there, although they would do some tunneling to create some of the connections. Um, But there are calls from some to simply make it an elevated park, like Manhattan's High Line uh, on the west side, with more green space on the elevated train line and also below where there's a lot of uh, land that could be turned into park space and bike paths and things of that nature. That competing plan is called Queens Way. So Queens Way is the all park plan. Queens Link is the quote unquote rails and trails. Uh, Queens Way, the, the park only proposal, would not include the major transit infrastructure effort of the Queen's Link proposal and is therefore much less expensive and easier to get done and get approved. But of course, it does not include the very attractive to many aspect of expanded mass transit. Now, even though uh, the doing both proposal of Queen's Link, which would include the transit and green space, might seem Like a no-brainer to many, many people, uh, unless you're some of the residents who would be directly next to or under the path of the new train extension and not happy about the construction or the ongoing uh, noise and and added commotion, uh, although there's many people in the path of the line that might be eager to have that access to mass transit, um, it's not an easy lift, uh, no matter how much of a no-brainer it might seem. And this is part of why I think it's a very interesting discussion as a microcosm of some of these bigger trends I mentioned, uh, at the beginning of this introduction, uh, by no means has there been a very sort of quick get to yes on the idea of, uh, reactivating the rail line to connect the M train and the A train and provide this new set of subway stops, um, there's naturally a certain set of local reader uh, residents and elected leaders who are angling for only the Queensway plan of park space and opposed to Queenslink. Um, but it can also be very hard to get the big, big decision makers like the mayor, the governor, and the MTA on board with a significant and not cheap new uh, infrastructure project. The MTA has included reactivation of this line in some of its planning. Uh, it continues to evaluate it, including in its just released 20 year needs assessment document that just came out in early October here when we're talking. And it continues to look at it. It analyzed, a, the MTA analyzed a variety of potential projects in that 20 year needs assessment, only some of which will be included in the transportation authority 's upcoming five year capital plan, which is due out next fall in uh, the fall of two thousand and twenty four so queens link supporters, including many elected officials there there 's a a big and diverse group of elected officials who are supporting the trail uh, and rail project of Queenslink, they are trying to get it included in that next MTA capital plan, which will be a big lift and would be a major victory for Queenslink to get it in there. Uh, One last thing on Queensway versus Queenslink before we get to my two guests to dig into Queenslink a bit more, Mayor Eric Adams has not voiced opposition to Queenslink, which would... Perhaps be mostly up to the governor and the MTA to really pursue, given the rail aspect, although the mayor could easily take it up as a priority and then, you know, really get some momentum behind it. But Mayor Adams has given actually a big boost to Queensway supporters who are looking to turn the elevated decommissioned rail line into the Highline-esque park in September of 2022, so about a year before we're talking now. Adams announced a $35 million city investment for design and construction of phase one of Queensway, so basically giving his support to the Queensway proposal. This first uh, phase, which they're calling the Metropolitan Hub or the Met Hub, would, according to the mayor's office, take a vacant city owned corridor in Forest Hills and turn it into a five acre park with about three quarters of a mile uh, of greenway and open space. So that boost to Queensway is in somewhat in motion, and it's something that supporters of Queenslink, like my guest today, have to contend with, uh, though they and others note that investment in green space, like what the mayor announced, can easily fit into the bigger Queenslink plan as long as the work on the green space doesn't start to really box out the needed Uh, train-focused infrastructure work. All right, so let's get to my guests here. So let's talk more about QueensLink and the push for rails and trails in Queens. Joining me now, Andrew Lynch, Chief Design Officer, and Mike Scala, Counsel and Legal Advisor for QueensLink. Gentlemen, thank you both for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Ben. Good to be here. So, Andrew, I gave a little bit of an overview here, but I didn't really want to get into all the details because you would be much better at this than than me. So, give people, if you can, the broad overview of what the proposal is here, what it sort of entails. We're not we're talking about a few miles of, of mm-hmm. rail, but it includes pieces that would need to be constructed and connections. So just give people, uh, you're the chief design officer, give people the overview of the Queenslink design and from where to where and what would it connect and all of those fun, important details that we'll get into here.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Ben. So the Queenslink is sort of a new take on a rather old idea, some Transit ideas in New York unfortunately end up being uh, out in central Queens. And where, where I'm talking about central Queens specifically is uh, between the neighborhoods of Regal Park, Forest Hills, through Forest Park to the south, Woodhaven, Richmond Hill, Ozone Park, and down to Howard Beach. Uh, there is a rather wide abandoned rail line. Uh, this was an old Long Island Railroad line. It once took uh, riders. Uh, from Penn Station out to the Rockaways. Um, And in the 1950s, the city um, purchased the line after a fire. Uh, They had connected the southern section to the subway. uh, And this is how we get out to the Rockaways today via the A train over Jamaica Bay. Uh, But the northern section remained Long Island Railroad for another decade until the Long Island Railroad decided to abandon the line. And for the Last 60 years, it's been sitting there uh, with no shortage of ideas for what to do with it. Um, and the reason that this particular abandoned line is so integral to the greater region is that it's the only north-south rail line that ever existed in Queens. Uh, when Queens was a county unto itself, uh, before it was part of New York City, uh, all the the Long Island Railroad lines and all the other older railroads that existed ran to the to the East River and eventually they ran into Manhattan, but they all ran east west. And so if you lived in Queens, you could get to Manhattan relatively easily, but you couldn't get around the borough uh, and it was very hard to get into Brooklyn as well. So the The benefit of this connection um, is that for the first time, you can get throughout the entire borough uh, from the southeast to the central to northwest uh, in a single-seat ride. And so what we are proposing is uh, the MTA had looked at a couple different options. One was to extend the subway along this right-of-way. Another was to reactivate it as Long Island Railroad. Uh, The MTA's own numbers found that up to, up to if not over 47,000 daily riders would use this as a subway line. And so what we're proposing is branching off one of the trains that serves the Queens Boulevard line uh, after the 63rd Street Drive station, uh, have it run down uh, south, basically paralleling Woodhaven Boulevard, um, and come above ground at some point and continue on this right of way. South to Howard Beach, where you can get to the uh, air train to JFK Airport. And then the trains would continue down to the Rockaways. Um, and doing this, we found that uh, a rider, sort of best case scenario, could save up to 40 minutes a day. Um, now, there was another proposal um, going back over a decade now um, t- that didn't see the value of transit as much in central queens and said you know what if we use this as a park sort of inspired by the high line in chelsea um and they that you know they're called the queen's way they put their proposal out they've done some community outreach um but they faced a lot of pushback because of this, you know, quiet, <laughs> abandoned forest that has grown up in people's backyards. Um, but there was also pushback ag- against the rail. And so we set out, and by we, I mean um, myself, a man named Rick Horan, who's our executive director. Uh, Mike Scala had been involved with this early on as well. Uh, and a number of other folks, uh, we, we set out to sort of determine, you know, What's the best use for this project? Yes, there's transit needs out there, uh, but there, you know, yes, open space, park space, um, these are important too. What if we could figure out a way to use this completely city-owned asset, sort of at the best um, possible way? And that's how we developed Queenslink. So the genesis of Queenslink is really, what if we did both? What if we had a transit connection between Northern Queens and Southern Queens, and what if we were able to utilize some of this. Right of way for open space, park space, bike lanes, these types of things. And that's what we've done. We have, we set out and we, we've we done a year's worth of community outreach, of political outreach. Um, we have developed this plan uh, from the bottom up, a totally grassroots. Everyone involved with Queenslink is a volunteer. Uh, we don't have corporate backing. We have a rather small budget. We, we do it out of love and out of passion for just a better. Queens, and so um, all all the drawings that we have put out, all the renderings, all the ideas, they've come from community feedback, um, both for the park and for, from transit. Um, and we are continuing that. Uh, we're continuing to take the feedback and and evolve our plans. Um, but you know, we 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 see a desperate need for better transit out in this area, and people like to say, "Oh, well, there's already trains, there's already buses." well, you know, a desert isn't a place that is lacking in water. It's a place that is lacking in water to sustain life. And the transit desert for us isn't a place that doesn't have any transit. It's a a place that doesn't have enough transit to sustain Mm -hmm. the economy and the livelihoods that people really want. Mike Scala,
0: I I want to come back uh, to Andrew to some of the details of the design and where there would need to be tunneling and, and different things about construction. But Mike, add anything just big picture you want to add there, but also give people a little bit of the lay of the land as to where things sort of stand right now. As we talk here in October 2023, uh, there's a political landscape here in terms of um, you have a very interesting uh, wide base of elected official support for this project. At the same time, Mayor Adams, while he didn't say he, you know, is ruling out supporting QueensLink, he did announce thirty-five million dollars of investment in the, you know, sort of start of just uh, a linear park and and a green space here, which, you know, is is the first phase of what they called the Queensway, which is the competing proposal that Andrew mentioned. So. Add anything you want uh, sort of big picture to what Andrew said, but also give a little lay of the land sort of politically here.
2: Okay. So I think Andrew laid out the plan very well. To add on to that, I would say I myself come from South Queens. I live here and Howard Beach currently very active in the Rockaways and throughout all of these communities in, in the South portion of the borough. And it isn't only a matter of getting to central Queens or Northern Queens for us. It really is that direct link that we're missing to Midtown Manhattan. And that's really a matter of economic growth and opportunity for us that we're cut off from currently. And you know, that's why we talk about transit equity, because it really is about more than simply the convenience of a shorter train ride. We're talking about ensuring that South Queens residents can access the economic opportunities taken for granted by residents everywhere else in the city. And so I think that's important when we look at the cost of a project like this. We also need to be thinking about the benefit or to put it another way, we need to be looking at the cost of not doing a project like this, right? Because we're losing out potentially on billions of dollars of untold economic growth. and so. To get to the Rockaways, you know, from the Rockaways to the city right now and and Midtown specifically, these are some of the longest commutes in the whole country. And you look at reports showing that many people who live in the Rockaways and not just the Rockaways, Broad Channel, Howard Beach, Ozone Park, the whole southern portion of the borough, really. They're working more in downtown. And one of the pushbacks, one of the arguments that we get against Queenslink as well You won't have enough riders because most of your people work downtown. But really, that's a function of the the transportation being inconvenient or or taking too long to get to Midtown. Right. And we know that most of the economic opportunity, at least historically, has been uh, Midtown. And so we are cut off from the rest of the city. And that's costing us in, in many ways. Now, you mentioned the mayor allocating $35 million for the first phase of the Queens way. As Andrew said, the Queens link is a dual use project. We're pushing for rails and trails. And so if done right, that money really could be the first phase of the Queens link because we want a park space to be used as well. Our main concern here is that the park space that's built does not make it prohibitively difficult to install that transit component later. So this really needs to be done with one hand, knowing what the other is doing and not in an obstructionist way. Our concern, speaking to the political aspect of this, has been that many in our estimation who have been pushing for the park plan only seem to be doing so intentionally at the expense of the train. We think that many of them simply don't want transit coming through their communities from the south portion of the borough. And so they're trying to throw a wrench in it. I would say, and this is just me speaking myself, that there are some who care more about blocking transit than they do about getting a park, but they'll advocate for the park because they think that's their way of stopping transit in a polite way. Mm -hmm. And so, What we need to do is continue to rally our political support. You mentioned, Ben, that we have... Let
0: let, let me come back to
2: political support in
0: just one second. Let me just jump in for one sec, which Mm -hmm. is to say, just to be a little more clear for people, and I mentioned this in the the introduction, but uh, about a year ago, Mayor Adams announced this $35 million investment in what what they, at the time, even called um, the first phase of the Queensway. But I watched that press conference, and there were several questions at the time about, does this investment mean that the city is supporting, you know, Queens way over uh, Queens link and just going with the linear park and sort of ruling out the idea of of the mix of reactivating the train line, as well as the open space that makes up um, your proposal, obviously. And a, a number of people were very clear to say, no, this does not preclude that. At the same right. time, obviously, as soon as you start to sort of get momentum behind something, um, you know it can make alternatives challenging. And so you're getting at, you know one of the biggest questions moving ahead is how that initial investment actually gets implemented and whether there are ways that proponents of Queensway, as you say, some of whom may just be most interested in blocking new transit or blocking the construction that would you mm-hmm. know come with some of the new transit. You know how do they uh, potentially attempt to sort of box out uh, uh, Queenslink, but you know that'll that'll be something to watch down the line.
2: Absolutely, and really, it is all about. The narrative. You know, we continue to say we're about rails and trails. Obviously, our priority here is transit, but there's plenty of space that would allow new park land, new park construction, however that looks throughout the right of way. And we've talked about letting the communities along the right of way decide how that should look. Unfortunately, the narrative that you most often see in the media is we want trains only and they want parks only and who's going to win the train or the park. And so that's why when you see an announcement of $35 million for parks Land, you, you know, you tend to think, okay, this is Queensway. And to be fair, Queensway was certainly pushing for that. And and I think convinced the mayor to do that along with some of their supporters, but you know, the picture isn't really that cut and dry because we're saying rails and trails. And so as long as that parkland doesn't stop the trains from coming in, Roll are all for it. That's the first step of our project, right? We want both. Uh, but it is a matter of making sure that it's done uh, in a way that preserves that transit line because even in the MTA's uh, assessment that came out today, they, they mentioned that could be a potential challenge, right, of transit along the line. Well, is this a plan for, I think they put a, they put it as a proposal for park space along the line, right? So mm-hmm. we're saying yes, but we don't want that to be uh, an inhibitor. We actually want this to work together, but we need to do that deliberately and that's where the political support comes in quite honestly aside from all of the elected officials we have on board already we've got a, a wide breadth of them i think we're a very diverse coalition that we've built across the political spectrum we need a mayor and a governor who support the plan i mean look what happened with ibx i think that's the type of political buy-in that we need mm-hmm. ibx the
0: interborough express that is uh the proposal that governor Hochul. And the MTA and Mayor Adams as well, and many officials, including uh, Brooklyn Borough President Antonio Reynoso and others, are are very yeah. behind to add rail, likely rail, uh, on a Brooklyn Queens corridor uh, with with many uh, new stops along the way that connect to to other mass transit. Um, say a little bit more, Andrew, about uh, sort of what the the stops along the the envisioned path here would be Mm -hmm. say a little bit about where you don't have to be exhaustive on this, but like where the major sort of construction components would be. And just give a little bit of a sense of like the biggest lifts to making this reality in terms of, uh, the actual construction project that's needed. And, uh, as the MTA has evaluated it, uh, sort of how they have uh, responded to, you know, the proposal and their evaluation of the sort of construction and costs.
1: Right. Uh, I think the the biggest concern for the MTA is that they are going to have to tunnel through, uh, basically underneath a section of Rego Park and Forest Hills. Um, and, you know, we have, t- we've Put some boots on the ground we've gone out there we've, we've evaluated their initial designs and we found a lot of issues with that uh, we think that the construction can be done in a less disruptive way but nonetheless we are talking about tunneling uh, and tunneling adds a lot of cost to this um, i think the more you know th- like i said this is an existing right away there are tracks up there there are bridges some of the old stations are still there now they're all going to have to be rebuilt. I mean, this has literally been falling apart for six years. It's not like you mm-hmm. can just go there and, and throw a train on there and call it a day. Um, but for us, it, it's, it's the bigger picture. It's more, what is the best project for the community? Um, the MTA's initial study would have basically destroyed uh, a very valuable uh, Forest Hills Little League ball fields. Um, and so we came up with an alternative route that would extend the tunnel a little bit further south to Metropolitan Avenue, where there is a proposed station. Uh, but because of the commercial nature of that area, uh, the construction would be less detrimental to the um, the residential neighborhood. Uh, that's something that has been received favorably, as you could imagine. Um, but beyond, uh, you know, south of that, there's some other issues as well along sort of how, you know, Queens has developed a lot in 60 years, and the right-of-way itself, while intact, uh, definitely has some, some sections that have been repurposed um, and, you know, going South through forest park, the right of way itself through forest park uh, was converted into park space legally. So that, that's something that we have to contend with. How do we replace that? Which Mm -hmm. is great because we're proposing up to 33 acres of new park space along the right of way. So we can more than replace what we need to take. Um, And South through, you know, in, South of Forest Park, uh, the the right of way is a little bit more narrow, um, and so we need to look at different techniques for creating sound mitigation, uh, making the the tracks quieter. Uh, built, we have proposed building. Um, Sound walls, similar to what you see along highways, um, and blocking the right-of-way from the nearby homes using uh, sort of natural vegetation. Uh, so there's there's all these, like, creative solutions that are out there should anyone be interested in actually pursuing this. Um the, the, the other stations along the line, one would be at Jamaica Avenue with the transfer to the J and Z train. Uh, the next station down would be at Atlantic Avenue, uh, where there is an abandoned Long Island Railroad station on the Atlantic line as it goes between downtown Brooklyn and Jamaica, where we are proposing reopening that for better regional connectivity. Uh, and then further south connecting to the A train as we go down to Howard Beach and the Rockaways. Uh, and so for us, it's not really the 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 most important thing about this isn't uh, isn't the three and a half miles. It's what that connection of three and a half miles allows some rider to use the network in a new way. Get around. You can go from you know Far Rockaway to Jamaica in a, in faster time, or you can get up to Shea Stadium. I'm sorry, City Field. I've been here too long. <laughs> um, and so you know, it, it's these type of different ways of thinking about. How to get around that, um, a project like the IBX is well suited for, but, you know, people have asked us is like, how does your, how does your project relate? It's like, well, we, we hit all the same metrics. We have just as much ridership, um, and it's about the connectivity. And so, uh, it's not for us, it's not an either or situation. It's more, uh, we have this opportunity, um, and we can't let it basically be blocked by any other type of development going forward. We, like Mike said, like we have to do this hand in hand.
2: Right, and also to
0: add to that, cost the cost estimate on this roughly.
1: <laughs> There's been a lot of numbers thrown around. The original mm-hmm. cost estimate that the MTA put out in 2019 uh, pegged this at 8.1 billion dollars, and we we scoffed at that, um, and we were able to put out a counter estimate. Uh, closer to about $3.5 billion. Uh, We still think that is very high. uh, But with the tunneling and... Uh, especially the, the tunneling that we're talking about, uh, it would be you know in the multi billion dollar range, uh, but a lot of this would be on an uh, above ground, like I said, existing right of way, much similar to the uh, IBS proposal, which is on existing right of way. Uh, so this is where we we kind of question the numbers. Uh, um, the twenty year needs assessment that was just released t- today the uh, brought the number down to by the MTA brought it down to five point nine. Um, billion dollars. But again, like this doesn't stack up with a number of their other proposals. Um, Second Avenue, which has much, much more complex and extensive tunneling, uh, is uh, phase three, is which is about three, three, mi- a little bit over three miles is pegged at 13 billion dollars, whereas, the, you know, that would be entirely tunneled, uh, where the tunnel we're talking about is, you know, less than a mile um, or maybe just about a mile. Um, and so it, the, the cost estimates don't really make sense to us, especially uh, um, when then the IVX, which is proposed to being about 14 miles long, um, is only going to be five and a half billion dollars. It's just sort of like, wait a minute, like th- these are big numbers that the average person can't really wrap their head around. But when you really start to break it down... Like, what are you, can what are you including and what are you not? Um, and that's part of a transparency issue that we see with the, the 20 year needs assessment. And in general, a lot of MTA projects is, you know, they throw out these big numbers, but like, what are you really including? What are you comparing?
2: And, you know, why is it, why are Andrew. you so social- I just wanted to make clear that three point five billion dollar number that you threw out—that was right. determined by an independent study, right? We're not just saying that. Hmm.
1: No, yeah, we're not. We're not just making this up. We we hired a, a transportation consulting firm, and we went through the MTA's cost estimate. Uh, they were nice enough to actually include a broken down budget for their original feasibility study, um, so we could get an idea. But even some of the the costs that were involved with that were questionable.
2: Gotcha.
0: Mike, you were going to jump in earlier. Is there something we should yeah, get back well, to gonna you gonna say,
2: say when Andrew was speaking on the connectivity improvements with the project, you know, I would argue resorts world is being underutilized. Part of it is because it's not as accessible to the rest of the city as it can be. And JFK airport, you know, it's been long talked about for a one seat ride between the airport and Midtown. We don't have that. And, um, As far as I'm aware, New York City is the only major city in the entire country where there's no direct link from its major airport to its city center, if you wish. You know, most places are called downtown. I think our equivalent to that is Midtown. Uh, We don't have that. Um, Again, it's costing us billions of dollars, I think, every year in economic growth. And
0: and not to get into a whole discussion of casinos, but there's also the potential here that Resorts World is going to be... Uh, a, a winner in the casino bidding to expand to a full scale casino. Right. And that, that could potentially make it a much more uh, frequented uh, establishment.
2: Absolutely. Not to mention the fact that we really are losing out in terms of these mega conventions that are out there now, right. They're not coming to New York because we don't have a center large enough. Even Javits center is a large enough resorts world could fill that gap, but we would definitely want that connectivity there.
0: Mike, let me ask you who, who Go go into a little bit more of the sort of political landscape. I cut you off. I think you were going there next. Say a little bit about some of your biggest supporters in, on the political playing field and the key political decision makers who you need to uh, convince to uh, either support your project or at least sort of get out of the way, um, because obviously, as you were getting at a little bit before There are elected officials and and others who uh, help push Mayor Adams into the investment in the Queensway phase one that we talked about, who uh, seemingly are not fans of Queenslink. Say a little bit about Mm -hmm. who some of your biggest boosters are uh, among political figures and who you need to either convince to support you or at least sort of stand stand down.
2: Sure. So we actually sent a letter to the mayor and the governor, this is a while back now, but it was signed at the time by 15 elected officials and community boards, and we've expanded on that since. And so we're talking about everyone from Queensborough President Donovan Richards to State Senator James Sanders Jr. to uh, Khalil Anderson, who's in the assembly now. We've got the chair of the transportation committee in the city council, Savina Brooks Powers, who not only signed on to the letter calling for an EIS, an, uh, uh, an environmental impact statement on the plan, but also introduced a resolution in the city council calling on that, and that's important as she is the chair of that transportation committee. Of course, the city council can't uh, make it happen, but they can go on record with their resolution saying that they support it. And we're appreciative of that. She was joined on that resolution by council member Joanne Ariola, who is a Republican on the other side of the political aisle, but also coming together for that. And that's a theme that we've seen, you know, Bob, their representation of the, of the Rockaways. Peninsula, yeah. Correct. Then you've got um, Bob Holden, you know, who's a Democrat, but we know was elected initially as a Republican and uh, is, is quite conservative, I think on the scale of New York City yeah. council members. He, Represents part of the right of way. He came on on board. He's a very strong supporter of that. Recently, we were joined at a rally by Jumani Williams, New York City public advocate, who is a proponent of the plan. And so you see that we have wide support. And then you even go beyond the representatives who are representative of the right-of-way itself. You know, we've got people beyond that now reaching into northern Queens because they see that this isn't only about the Rockaways or South Queens or any part of the borough. This is really about our entire borough and our entire city, right, making mass transit work better for everyone and providing more park space. It's a win-win. And so I think if you were to, to compare the elected officials on board with our project and those uh, for Queens way, we blow them out the water, right? We have much more political support. Uh, Unfortunately, you need, I think, even more than that. Right. I think when you're talking about a project as ambitious as this, that the MTA would have to invest a lot. And and, and quite honestly, that would take money possibly from the federal government and at the state level you know I me mean, all hands on deck type thing I think that you do need the mayor's support you do do need the governor's support um we right. have- I was gonna I mean I was gonna say if you wind up with the support
0: from the governor slash the MTA that you know she is ultimately in charge of uh, you know then you're sort of cooking with gas but a lot of the a lot of the question about whether
2: <laughs> you can get that support will sometimes depend on the local, Officials Absolutely. and local right. dynamics of, Absolutely. Uh, and and that right. follows the trajectory of Queenslink, right? Because we are, as Andrew mentioned, a grassroots project. So it starts with the advocates, really the people in the community who are saying we need something better here. And then you get your advocates who are fighting for it. Uh, Your local elected officials get on board and you kind of work your way up the political ladder to the mayor and the governor. I think Jamadi Williams just being a citywide elected official is a great step, but you know, you gotta go beyond that. The fact that this land is owned by New York city does mean that you need buy-in from the city as well. Um, So You know, I think it's a matter of us continuing to build that political support, continuing to have conversations with the governor's office and the mayor's office and everyone we can to make it clear that this is a very popular project with good reason. Right. And I think ultimately officials have to respond to political wins if they're strong enough. So it's on us to to keep that pressure on. I I know
0: you're both here, obviously, as uh, volunteers, very active with Queenslink and you're making the case for it here. I'm going to ask you to tell me and tell listeners anything you're hearing from people who are opposed to it in terms of arguments that, uh, you know, aren't the obvious ones in terms of opposition to construction and noise and, you know, some of the disruptions. And we've touched on that already a little bit here, obviously, and with any Major infrastructure project. Clearly, there will be some disruption and some environmental impact, and things that need to either be mitigated, like the noise, like Andrew was discussing earlier. Or, you know, different different ways in which the design can be tweaked, but always there's going to be disruption with something like this. Are there any other arguments besides sort of uh, you know some questions about the cost, perhaps obviously, and where the funding would come from? But even even on the funding, I mean it. If any, you know, if there's anything out there right now, at least thanks to the federal government, there is infrastructure money around. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there are there any other arguments against that that are out there that that, that people should hear? And you can quickly debunk them if you want. But, <laughs> but what, are there other things that people are saying to oppose Queenslink, or do we just um, sort of get this undercurrent Andrew, before? Before you yeah. get
2: into that, I just want to quickly, because I don't want to get any pushback for leaving people out. There are a lot of supporters. I do want to shout out Assemblywoman Stacey Feffer amato who has been a very absolutely. big supporter of this as well. But, you know, please, I'm not trying to I leave you anyone have, out. You can yeah, read I think you files. have everyone on your website. People yeah, can check yeah, yeah, out your yeah. website. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> okay, yeah,
1: absolutely. Go ahead, Andrew. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've been presenting it. A- a number of community uh, engagements over the last couple of years. And honestly, there's nothing that has stood out to us um, as sort of like out of left field. It's basically everything you'd kind of imagine. There, you know, we have, we have been very, um, enthusiastic about how we can incorporate park space in our plans. Uh, but the park space is still very controversial. Uh, this goes either for us and for Queensway out there because a lot of this right of way does in fact run basically through people's backyards and that brings up, um, a lot of, uh, safety issues. Um, we have come up with, I think a number of sort of responses to that. Um, but it, it's still a very touchy subject in certain areas um and i that's something that we are working on I'm not sure you know where the the Queensway stands on this issue since they're a park um but it's it's really the only sticking point um and I think what's been very telling is even the people that have sort of come at us with a lot of concerns. Um, they're pro-transit, they just, you know, it, it's quality of life issues that are first and foremost. Uh, mm-hmm. That's something that we knew going into this and that's something that we've tried to not just listen to but like incorporate into the designs. Um, economic opportunity is another thing. Uh, a little bit more specific to the plan There's a section down in Ozone Park where the right-of-way exists on this steel and concrete viaduct, which because it hasn't been used for transit in 60 years, uh, the city has uh, converted sort of the stalls underneath into uh, manufacturing, light industry, and parking. Um, And that was something that came up immediately that we didn't really, we didn't know until we started talking to folks about, you know, they're like, these are local jobs. And it's like that's a great point. You know, we want to we want to encourage that. And so, how do we how do we work with those businesses um, when we'd have to do reconstruction and relocate them? Uh, what happens after the fact? And so, we we've incorporated uh, commercial space and parking underneath the viaduct uh, to sort of respond to that. Um, we we see ourselves basically as a liaison between the community and uh, the state and the city that would build this and we want to bring these concerns uh to the table as this project is getting started um and so um you know we are out here to learn you know i I am personally going out to buildings community groups um lots of different places talking to people one-on-one getting their feedback from it Um, Mm -hmm. you know like i said it, it nothing here is sort of what you would not expect. It's all about quality of life. It's all about, sure. um, yeah, transit is yeah. great, parks are great, but what about my backyard? <laughs> right, right, right. Sure. right. No, in terms I, of I, yeah,
2: the, the, the critiques of rail or, or transit in particular, I think there's a bit of a misconception out there among some folks that. If you live close to a train line, or you know there can be trains running close, so close that you can hear them, maybe making noise, that it's going to decrease your property value. And some people, I think, have articulated concerns along those lines, although everything every study has shown that when you're closer to transit property values actually go up um but you know there there are people that, that you'll hear i guess you, you could characterize those as nimby type arguments not in my backyard where they'll say you know we don't want a train running so close uh, you know we, we knew that we, we bought a property that there was an abandoned train line here but we were told it was abandoned it wasn't going to come back and so you know some people will raise those typical noise about concerns about noise and, and what have you um Quite honestly, as I've been involved in this project for a long time before it was even called Queenslink, and we were just advocating for the restoration of the Rockaway Beach Branch as it was known, there were people who had a bit of a snobby attitude when it came to Rockaway, and you would hear comments like that. Oh, we don't, we don't want people from Rockaway coming into our community, and I think that opens up a discussion about classism and even racism in some cases. And so, um, you know, I think these are the types of of concerns which, uh, in my estimation, are misguided. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean I was saying this in the introduction part of the reason this is so fascinating to me is because you have uh, you know this this project is sort of a really interesting microcosm of this moment that we're at and and you know New York City has been at a moment similar to this of course for a very long time when you're talking about growth and you know sort of concerns of communities versus larger borough-wide or citywide needs and questions around how does New York City evolve in terms of its understanding of uh, commuting patterns or travel patterns and also expanding mass transit as a means of expanding all sorts of uh, opportunities and potential housing growth and connections to economic opportunity, as you were talking about, and just this, this interesting dilemma that this project sort of gets at, which is which is about also relating to how the MTA thinks about expanding its existing network. Um, and you have this opportunity here that at least has a framework to build, to build on, right. To, to reactivate. And it's not just, you know, starting from, from nothing. So it's just a fascinating microcosm to me of, of a lot of these discussions and these very important issues the city is facing and city state MTA leaders are sort of needing to, to, to wrestle with, um, On that point, and obviously comment broadly if you want on on anything I just said, but on that point, as we've mentioned, we're speaking here on October 4th, on the day that the MTA released its 20-year needs assessment. That needs assessment is then going to impact the much sort of more important document of the next MTA five-year capital plan. And so while the MTA seems a bit skeptical about QueensLink. There's also this opportunity to raise its profile ahead of the determination around whether it would be included for funding in that capital plan. Say a little bit more about sort of where the MTA has been on this. Uh, I saw that MTA uh, chair Jano Lieber, you know has commented in the past that. This is something of interest to the MTA. Uh, He commented even when Mayor Adams announced the funding we mentioned to say, uh, I'm under the impression that nothing the city is doing would preclude us from reactivating the, the Rockaway branch. So say a little bit either about some of the broader things I just raised as how this is sort of a microcosm of some of these big issues, although you've already touched on that a bit, and also where exactly your sense of MTA leadership is on this
1: i'd like to say that you know the mta has never really been on our side uh they've sort of at uh, best paid lip service to the project um they've sh- I mean, even when they put out their feasibility report back in 2019 uh, they sat on that for a year that had been finished a year prior um, and we found that the numbers had been inflated and so it's it sort of you know they acknowledge it exists but i think uh I, and and just to sort of be an optimist um about these things which is hard in this day and age but i think pragmatically from their point of view is uh this is just one of many other projects that have potential um but there are projects out there such as second avenue and ibx which uh have the type of support uh, that can put money behind something. And so they want to bet on a winner. Uh, they want to, you know, get these projects done. I don't think, you know, despite the, the, the despite what so many people feel about the MTA, that they don't want to do things, um, is, is that I think they're they're between a rock and a hard place when it comes to money and support on projects like this. Um, and this has kind of driven our political outreach, which is if the prevailing, view of the Rockaway Beach branch is that people, especially neighbors, especially community members don't want it, then why would anybody support it? Uh, We knew that wasn't true. And so it you know fell on us to do the hard work of going out to the communities of talking with people of really shining a light on the needs of these uh these neighborhoods and how it functions in the greater region um and so the more that we do this the more that we can show that there's a lot more viability in this um in this entire proposal. Uh, that said, you know, we still have a long way to go. There's there's a lot of support that we need to build in Albany um, and in City Hall. Um, but I would like to just mention that, you know, a lot of projects that have been built, let's say in the last 20, 25, 30 years, um, you know, They were only built because of the right person who wanted them built, not because the MTA wanted it, or more specifically, not because the MTA didn't want something, uh, something that... we have been told many times over is, oh, the MTA doesn't want this. And I'd like to remind people, the MTA didn't want to build elevators in stations until they were sued multiple times over. Um, The MTA didn't want to build the seven extension. Uh, They didn't really want to build the third track or second avenue until advocates brought it to uh, attention and the support was found um, at the state and the city level. And so that's why we just see this uh, the 20 year needs assessment as, you know, it's a recommendation, but it's not an end all be all.
2: I'm just glad that whoever grades trains didn't grade my papers in school.
0: <laughs> um Say a little bit more about outreach community. You've held some recent town halls. I assume you have others coming up or you'll be planning them. Say a little bit about where some of that's at and you know, if people wanna sort of learn more or come and pepper you with questions or whatever it may be. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and then well, any other final thoughts before we wrap up. But what what what's the what what's been the latest community sort of outreach and what's coming
1: up next? Uh, the the biggest one we did recently, uh, this is a couple of weeks back now, was at, at Forest Hills on the uh, the the public library, at Metropolitan Avenue. Uh, we had a standing room only crowd. It was it was fantastic. We got a lot of people that live right along the right of way that had a lot of concerns, and we were able to meet with, uh, and we will continue to meet with uh, on a one on one level to really understand sort of a lot of the. Super hyper local issues, if you will. Uh, we have a we have our next town hall coming up next week, next Thursday, actually, at 530. That's uh, October 12th. Thursday, October 12th, At 530 at the Queen Public Library at Regal Park, which is. 9141 63rd Drive, right off the uh, right off the subway there. Um, and we will continue to do tabling at community events. Uh, we've been at the Forest Hill Green Market uh, almost every weekend and had a lot of great responses. Um, and this is kind of going back to what I was saying earlier. I think a lot of people thought, oh, Forest Hills doesn't want it. Well, we, we've we proven without a sh- beyond a shadow of a doubt that that is not the case. We have close to 1,500 signatures. Um, for our petition online. Uh, to support this, uh, many of those are from Forest Hills, specifically in Rego Park, uh, and so we'll we'll be continuing doing outreach like that. Um, now, we yeah, we always post it on our social media, so follow us. The Queens link on yeah,
0: like like I said, Twitter. I mean, there's there's a lot of information on your website too. I you yeah. know we can't get into all the details in this conversation. Sure. We've touched on a lot of them, but you know there's there's lots of visuals and all sorts of details on the website for people to review mm-hmm. as well. If I'm not mistaken, uh, the areas you just mentioned, and I'll kick this over to you, Mike, if you want to take it. But um, the areas you just mentioned are represented by City Council Member Lynn Shulman, who seems to be one of the biggest opponents of your proposal and supporters of moving ahead with uh, Queensway instead. Uh, is there any outreach? Is that a live conversation with her as a local City Council member who would be, you know, have a very influential voice in whatever moves forward here?
2: Well, there's no question that she is a supporter of the Queen's Way. In fact, she told us that she's been advocating for that for years, even prior to being elected. And so I do think that that was one of her main priorities as you know upon becoming a council member. And maybe this is speculation here, but maybe a, a big reason as to why the mayor went ahead and announced that investment in phase one of the plan. With that said, we. We've had conversation with her. I believe we've made efforts recently to reach out again. We know that she's not going to be a supporter of ours. But I think what's more important is that we're continuing to speak with people in that district because we are able to illustrate that her constituents, by and large, want both. Right. They want transit. They're certainly not against transit. And I think it's really a small number of people who Maybe live directly close to the line and have their own agendas in terms of blocking the train. But if you go out into the neighborhood, you'll find that most people, when presented the option, say both. We want transit. Transit is important. And if we can have park space, too, that's also great. There's no reason why we need to be fighting with each other when we can do it all. And so I think that's really where our focus is, talking to the people.
0: All right. Well, we will leave it there. Uh, very interesting discussions to come on the, these, uh, these competing proposals. Uh, as I said, you know, the idea that this would provide transit as well as lots of green space, you know, was one of these things that caught my eye and said, well, who, who would be opposed to that if the city can add to its mass transit network again, uh, that of course is, you know, a, a 30,000 foot view, but, um, a lot of local issues to work through around construction and all sorts of other things here. But it's really, really an interesting sort of case study in where the where the city's at, where the state's at, where the MTA is at in terms of considering this proposal for adding uh, to the city's mass transit network in a way, uh, reactivating this sixty-plus year uh, long uh, and counting hiatus for trains along this rail uh, railway track uh, that's that's known as the uh, Rockaway Beach Branch. Um, But uh, thank you both for taking the time. Andrew Lynch, Mike Scala of uh, Queenslink, appreciate all the time. Any any last uh, thought of anything we didn't get to that that is just uh, on the tip of your tongue that you want to make sure people hear on this project?
2: I actually would like to speak a little bit about the environmental aspect of it, because when we talk about this on a macro level, there's a big movement right now to get more people out of cars and onto mass transit. And when you look at Queens in particular, and the fact that there's no north south mass transit connectivity, that's really the main reason why you see so much traffic on the Van Wick and on Cross Bay and Woodhaven boulevards, because you can't really get north south public transit. And so everyone is forced to drive on these uh, terribly congested roads. And so when we're talking about reducing vehicular congestion, I think there's really no better way to do that than by providing that north south connectivity that's missing right now. They get a lot of people out of cars and onto the trains. All right, we'll let that be the last word. Andrew Lynch, Mike Scala
0: from Queenslink, thanks again for the time and uh, best of luck out there.
2: Thank, Thank you, you
0: so
1: much, Ben. <laughs>